From the KLYT Broadcast Studio, this is ABQ Connect. Welcome into ABQ Connect. Again, hope everybody had a great Christmas. Everybody's getting ready for New Year's. Uh, We have a lot of very important work going on in our fair city. A lot of things that we wish were better, but some people are very courageous in their approach. So I want to reintroduce our audience to Shelly Rep in the New Mexico Dream Center, and she's brought a guest today. Shelly is the executive director doing amazing things trying to rescue kids that are involved with sex trafficking in our city, which, again, for me to even say that, especially during this time of year, is, is heartbreaking, Shelly. Well, it is. I, you know, I think about it with just having gone through Christmas and we have all of the joy around that. And we think about even like the Christmas Carol and how that story brought attention to child poverty. I mean, it really did. Mm -hmm. And even going into these modern times, we still have these issues surrounding children that are still occurring, that um, are keeping our kids in these dangerous places. And so for New Mexico Dream Center, we're, we're out there to end that. That is our goal. We want to bring awareness around domestic minor sex trafficking, awareness around labor trafficking, and we want it to end. And so actually, you know, you were you were talking about the guests that I brought. Well, this is actually a new staff member that um, we hired at the beginning of November, and she's kind of a little bit of a celebrity here in Albuquerque, Jim. Um, her name is Birga Alden, and she is one of the most well-connected women that I have ever met who has a heart for Jesus, a heart for change, and we have brought her on as our community outreach coordinator so that we can really start making strategic impact in our city. So I just want to pass this off to you. Birga, thank you so much for coming and being on the show with us today. Well, I am so pleased to be here. It's been a number of years since I've been here in the Calvary Stations Mm -hmm. and looking forward to just having some conversation about the Dream Center because it's been a long time coming that you and I have known each other. I think we met at a different radio station back way back when. Wait, there's other radio stations? Uh, Oh, sorry. I was not supposed to say that out loud. Wait. Shelly doesn't listen to any other radio stations. That's right. No, none. But yeah, certainly we've had these conversations for years and years and years. And now finally, God's timing brought us together to work together. Right. It's yeah, and, and and that's extra special. Birga, let me ask you why you decided to start helping. Is this cause something that's you've really it's pricked your heart, and this is something you want to do? You want the longer, the short version. Well, <laughs> we have an hour. Okay. So I want, you, but I want you know what I really want is our audience listens intently. Yeah. There, this is not background noise. Right. And this is a chance for them to pray. This is a chance for them to say, "Wow, that sounds like." real ministry. That sounds like something I'd like to be involved in, or maybe Shelly's background right. or your background will be something similar to theirs. And yeah. just like the disciples were able to to identify with different groups of people, I think that's what happens with our listeners. They'll say, oh, Berga's kind of like me. I, I think I might be involved. So that's kind of why I want our audience yeah. to know you. So without going too deep into it, I was on air radio for about 10 years, eight years at at another station that shall not be named, and I was two years over here. So during the course of those 10 years, I had umpteen interviews with nonprofit leaders, ministry leaders, and we're talking about all of the black eyes that Albuquerque has. Mm -hmm. 
always an ask for help, always an ask for involvement. And so just year after year after year, I, I witnessed this. Some of the nonprofits, some of the ministry stayed and became healthy and robust, and some fell by the wayside. And so Shelley would be an example of a ministry that stayed and became more robust, fleshed out the staff a little bit more fully, expanded the mission and the scope of what they're doing and how they're serving the city. And when I left radio, I stepped into the nonprofit space where I've been since about 2016. And Shelly and I would run into each other over and over again at different events and functions. And there was a point in time in which she had asked me about coming to work with her. And I knew I wasn't emotionally healthy enough. This is such a heavy, heavy environment to work in, in terms of you're, you're dealing with some of the most victimized, traumatized people in our community. And I knew I wasn't in the right heart space. And so it took a couple of years and God working on me and working some things out before I felt like it was time. And so I was just doing a volunteer project at a property that the Dream Center has, literally pulling weeds. And Shelly and I fell back <laughs> into conversation and one thing led to another and here I am on staff. I and- love it. It's crazy, right? And it was so exciting, Jim, because, you know, one of the things that I've shared with you is that we've made some big leaps in our programming. And um, one of those leaps is this property that we call the Eliza Jane House. And um, this is an eight bed facility where we can have a 24-7 staff to be able to house survivors of human trafficking. And each of the bedrooms for the clients is set up like um, like a micro-unit apartment or like a dorm room. And so they've got a bed, they've got a desk, they've got um, their own refrigerator. They have these things so that they can have that safety of um, starting to learn how to live independently, but then the benefit of also having community. There's a shared kitchen, there's a great room, and then we are able to have 24-7 staff so that when um, somebody's struggling, when something starts going sideways, instead of us finding out days later because they're living independently, we have somebody right there at that time to be able to provide the support that they need. And so we're super excited because this is the first time that this kind of program has been in New Mexico. Um, And it is something that we think is going to be a great pathway into um, our human trafficking survivors being able to live independently successfully and not falling back into victimization, not falling back into these kinds of situations that they worked so hard to exit. And so we um, reached out to the community about this because we found the property, but it was, you know, naked and there was no furnishings and I don't have money for that. Mm -hmm. And so we reached out and all of these orgs came and fully furnished this place. And then we started working with, um, with Emmanuel Chapel, which did a, they have a partnership with Imagine ABQ, which Mm -hmm. does a lot of service projects. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they looked at the backyard, which was just weeds and dirt. And they're like, we can do something about this. And so they brought on um, Red Shovel Landscaping, church volunteers, and um, and other folks. And so Birga was part of that volunteer force. And so we were, we were chatting, and she literally was pulling weeds until she became allergic to all the weeds and had to come inside because That's she couldn't true. breathe. <laughs> And, um, and then we were able to talk about what we're doing with these next steps to be able to connect across the state of New Mexico for service provision, for awareness and education. Well, Shelley, I want to I wanna back up a little bit. You've got this great new project coming up. 
um, that that's actually going to officially open in January. Yes, we okay. were we've been hoping to open it for a while. It's just right. it's hard to hire no, people. No, it, it is it takes definitely. A while. But so so let's back up now. Our listeners may not know just exactly how prevalent this problem is: uh, sex trafficking in general and, right. and child sex trafficking. Talk to us about some of the the myths and and things around this that people may not understand. Absolutely. So one of the big myths that we run into all the time is that um, people don't realize that American-born children are being trafficked within the United States itself. And so, so often they think, oh, you know, we're, we're a border state, so all of these trafficking victims are coming across the border. They're all foreign nationals. And that does happen. That happens to the tune of fourteen to 18,000 young people annually, which is a lot of young that's, people. That's a lot. A lot of young people. But the larger number comes with American-born children who are being trafficked within our own borders. And that number, according to the Department of Justice, is between 100 and 300,000. And so across the United States, we have children who are coming into trafficking situations that they're not able to exit. And so America is, is part of... Um, supplying human trafficking victims, sex trafficking victims. They are part of purchasing uh, sex trafficking victims. They are part of importing sex trafficking victims, and they're a part of exporting them. So we are involved in all aspects of this within the United States and within New Mexico specifically because we have very poor legislation addressing the crime of trafficking. We are a state that is easy to traffic people in. You can get a larger penalty for um, selling cocaine than you can for selling a human. And so that is a big issue. And when we have that kind of poor legislation and poor response, we are going to see this type of crime continuing to grow. So one is it's not just foreign nationals. The second big myth is that people think if it is an American child, it's because they've been kidnapped. And um, so you have mamas worrying about you know, Coronado Mall and somebody snatching their kid from the mall or something like that. And that's not the case either. Now, that can happen, and it has, but it's very rare. What we see instead are these business models that traffickers use to groom and recruit young people into that trafficking situation. So it happens um, online. So, you know, traffickers can pretend to be anybody online, which means they can pretend to be the cute boyfriend to that girl that's looking for a relationship and ends up in that kind of grooming and trafficking situation. Um, we see this happening through the gang involvement. So, so let, let's talk about that for one second. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about social media, but I'm on Facebook because yes. I have to manage the Facebook page for our radio station. Absolutely. So they make me have a personal page. So that's about my, the extent. But I'm imagining that there are people mm -hmm. that pretend with fake photographs and everything else to be some cute 16-year-old boy. Hey, right. I'd really like to meet you. Yep. Or, or maybe a 16-year-old girl also recruiting because yeah. it's boys and girls, right? It is. It is. Um, that's just, that's another myth is that it only happens to women or girls. And it does. It's It happens more frequently to women or girls. But um, boys are trafficked as well. That is absolutely a part of what the trafficking picture looks like and specifically here in New Mexico. And so... 
on social media, that person can portray themselves as anyone. And so that can happen and has happened on Facebook, on Instagram. It also happens through different sorts of communication apps. So Snapchat. Um, on Instagram now, you can have this kind of one-off side that's called threads. And those are these more private kinds of conversations. And that's through Instagram. You get there through Instagram, and then you have this kind of secured private channel, so to speak, where people can message you. And so it is prolific on the internet. It happens through video game chat. So you've got your kid and maybe they're playing online Minecraft or something like that. And yet they've got this chat that's happening, you know, across the world, essentially. And people can use that to start the relationship as well. So it's important that parents understand that, um, being worried about your kid at Coronado Mall, that's nothing wrong with that. But the real enemy is behind that screen. And absolutely, traffickers are utilizing that method to reach people and reach young people at a higher degree than we've ever seen before. I think myself right now, and I've heard this before, and I know what you're saying, and I was shocked to hear how prevalent it is. But is the problem too big to solve, Shelley? So I don't think it is. I think that um, we we need to look at this in a systematic way. And so when I think about how do we solve this in New Mexico, I think we need awareness. We need parents to understand um, what kind of protective measures they need to have in their home and what they need to do to keep their kids safe. So I think that's important, which means you have to have those kinds of conversations, Um, especially in the church world, Jim. um, Parents are afraid to talk about sex. Mm. And so their kids are afraid to talk to them about sex. 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 And what happens then is it becomes this taboo thing that only gets talked about amongst their friends or only gets talked about in these other things. And so they don't have that kind of person that they can talk to and have questions answered or have real discussions. So we need parents to be able to understand that these are important kinds of topics. And that's one of the kind of base layers of of addressing this. Um did you need it? No, I, I, I'll you, tell you, you what. You were I, looking at me. Well, I think what I want to do, I think what I want to do, and there's a lot here. So yeah. I want to take a quick break. Gotcha. And I want to come back. And in the midst of all this, you have a new player. Yeah. Birga Alden. And yeah. I want to know how she's going to play uh, Ooh, yes. on, on the team and what she's going to be doing in terms of community. So let's come back and talk more about that. We, we want to prepare for a better 2024. 100%. We'll be back on ABQ Connect right after these messages. You're listening to KLYT. Welcome back to ABQ Connect. We're back on ABQ Connect. Jim Williams with you, preparing for a great 2024. Yes. And in order to do that, we kind of have to look back, see what's going which way, and try to make some adjustments. And Shelly, you're making a lot of adjustments. We are. We are making a lot of adjustments. When we left before the break, um, we were talking about what does it mean to be able to start solving human trafficking, sex trafficking here in the state of New Mexico. And so we talked about kind of this first base layer, which is parents, which is families. But then another layer that we have to look at is we have to look at how do we get information? How do we get connections? How do we get training across the state? And that really is a big part of what Birga is going to be doing. I mean, I brought her here today because it's so exciting to be able to um, look at our state and say, let's put in a plan 
to talk to other agencies, other ministries, other organizations, so we can get this info out. So, Birga, what do you... What's that look like to you? Well, and Birga, what am you I going to do? You may not know this, <laughs> yeah. but but Shelley's brought on the Attorney General's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's brought on people that work with the ghost unit of the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department. And I know there's a lot more uh, even around the state. And we want to talk also, you're not, you're not just working in Albuquerque, right? right. You're, you're helping other cities around. So... Uh, have you just been said, here's the ball run? <laughs> to some degree, yes. But I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more strategic than that. I think one of my key focuses is going to be to reach out to organizations that they themselves are working with a marginalized population. And so we certainly want to make sure that we cover the gamut of people that live in the state of New Mexico and specifically those that are underserved. And so that might look like working with organizations that work with the the tribes throughout the state. It might look like working with undocumented. It might look like working with folks that are coming into contact with minority groups that typically are not very well seen or heard. And because of that kind of place of hiddenness or insecurity or even those that are feeling uncertain about being safe because of their maybe immigration status, they may be much more vulnerable to be preyed upon, both with sex and labor trafficking. And so I think part of the big mission that I have is to now reach out to organizational leaders or or groups that, again, represent these types of populations to say, hey, here's some of the things that you need to be aware of. And if you start to see some of these danger signs within the people that you serve, where do you go? What do you do? How do you get connected and to begin some of those conversations? Well, I know the Native American communities in our state will be blessed by those efforts because they've been feeling left alone. They're missing many, many of their citizens. Mm -hmm. They just disappear. Nobody knows where they are. And Shelley, it's likely that they're being trafficked, would you say? Yes, it's very likely. Um, Looking at the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women and Children Project that we have in the state is, um, is a huge, huge piece of looking at how do we address vulnerability? How do we bring resources? And how can we walk alongside um, those families and those, you know, those sovereign nations. And so thinking about this, the the exciting thing about Birga when she was talking about this is she's talking about these marginalized communities. And I think that's important for us to understand is that um, that there are people that are more vulnerable because they are living in unsafe areas. They're more vulnerable because they have survived um maybe sexual abuse. They're more vulnerable because maybe there's been substance abuse in their family. And so when you think about things that can cause vulnerability, that also can cause isolation. Mm. And it's time to be done with isolation. It's important that we look at at our neighbors and say, neighbor, what can I do to walk alongside you? Because there is safety in community, in good community, in safe community. And I think that's a big piece of what um, we need to see happen in in the state of New Mexico is decide to be like the Good Samaritan and go, I am going to care for my neighbor. I want to ask about I, this is I always get in the political weeds and I don't mean to do that. And so before I say I, anything, I like those weeds. Well, I, I, I've known you since you were 16 years old. I know. And I know. Oh, and I didn't I know, know that backstory. OK. Carry I, wish, on. I wish it was since I was 16, but that's not the case. No, because then we'd be the same age. I know. I'm younger. I'm old. Uh, 
But here's why I say that to our audience is I know what your heart is and your heart is not to um, put down any political organization or anything. Now, you're, but you're also going to be the first to say, look, we can really do this better. Right. Every week I'm reading some other fail with CYFD. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Shelly, you told me something that I never thought about, but it was it really struck my heart. And that was that there are children that have been involved in the foster care system that believe it is safer to live on the streets of Albuquerque than it is to be in our foster care system. I know it is. It is crazy to think about that. Um, but that is what we hear from our young people who come to our drop-in center, the Harbor. And we have many, many kids that have been part of that foster system. Um, and some for years and years and years. And what we see Jim is that, um, CYFD over the last several years, especially the last um, five years, has really been falling to pieces in a lot of ways and specifically for our teenagers. And so they don't have enough foster homes. They're not allowed by federal law to have kids in shelter for more than 15 days. So they have to be 14 days because when they hit 15, they lose funding. And so that means you've got kids who are going to a youth shelter, but then have to leave. And where do they go for that next place? And so in looking at this, the staff turnover has been huge. There's not enough people. Um, I don't know if you saw the story of the CYFD offices down in Roswell, but they've had three teenage boys living in those offices for um, many months now because they can't find a placement for them. And so they're just living there at the CYFD offices. And so, the same but, thing happens here. But let's stop. Let's stop there because a lot of times I hear, I don't want to stop. We're going to keep sure. going. We have you till uh, two o'clock. All right. Um, but I'm I'm thinking in my mind that there's a lot of people, oh, this is just bashing some political organization, but I want people to pause for a minute because your heart is to say, look, I research, I'm talking like Shelly now, I research who's doing this right around the country. Like I guarantee you, Eliza Jane and what you're doing there, you've borrowed and-, and Absolutely. And I know you have great ideas yourself, but you've also gone out and done your research. I know that the law enforcement people in our community, their research has been OJT. Yeah. They know what's really happening. Oh, yeah. So when it comes time to hiring somebody to run CYFD, why don't they get together a committee of people that know what they're doing? Or if they do hire somebody, you guys would probably help train them. Absolutely. We would love to do that. Um, we are absolutely seeking contracts with CYFD to recruit and train foster parents for specifically for teenagers. Because I need places for these young people to go to, one, maybe keep them from being trafficked because then they don't end up on the street. Mm. Um keep them from running away. And if they have been trafficked, having a place that they can go that is safe. So you have to um, think about with CYFD, the way that CYFD is run is it is run by a cabinet appointment by the governor. And so there is currently a nationwide search. The person we have right now running CYFD is interim. And so they're doing a nationwide headhunt to find somebody to, um, to take on CYFD. And there's good and bad with that. Part of the thing we have to look at is anybody coming into this situation is coming into a very polarizing, very um, politically motivated 
destructive situation right now. There's not enough workforce. There, you know, people. Uh, there's not deputy directors in well, positions. It, it, it's very there's, similar to law enforcement. We need yeah. 400 more police officers on the street in Albuquerque. Absolutely. And, and we and we don't have them. And we're jeopardizing the lives of the men and women who are in law enforcement now. Correct. Uh, the county uh, departments seem to be fairly intact, but they can't do everything. They don't have jurisdiction. State police is short. And, right. you know, they've come in and rescued Albuquerque on a number of occasions where they come in and provide, you know, concentrate on certain crime areas. So, Birga, where will you be in in the midst of these relationships and what's happening? I mean, will you be able to reach out to the Native American communities? Will you be able to find out? I know Shelley's. Yeah. You, you guys are right and left hand, so to speak. So I don't I'm not asking about independent stuff you're doing. But what what do you see as your as your calling in terms of ministry with New Mexico Dream Center? Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I hope that I have the opportunity to connect with a lot of these agencies as well as, you know, tribal leadership, organizations that represent, again, these underserved demographics of our state. So I think one of the big things that I could say is if you've got close connections to an organization that represents some of these folks, if you want to make an introduction to me, a warm handoff is always much better than a cold call or a cold email. And so by all means, we can make sure that we leave contact information so that if somebody has connection or association with an entity, an organization, agency that they say, hey, I think you guys need to connect, please take that step and make that introduction for us because that is the best, best way to get things done. I'm all about connection. Yeah. And if people want more information, there's a lot of information on uh, nmdreamcenter.org. Mm-hmm. That, that's the website. Um, I, what what can people find out about that? Certainly funding is always necessary because you're not charging the young people that are coming into your care and, and you're kind of recruiting. So we want to make sure Virga uh, hands me a nice, a nice brochure about that. Um, so I want people to be able to easily access this. The phone number listed on the brochure is 505-900-3833. And you can uh, also email to info at nmdreamcenter.org if you want more information. Correct. Uh, so that's really great. Let's take another break. We've right. got another half an hour to talk about more things. There's a lot here. Right. I want to reiterate that, Shelly, you absolutely believe that we can we can totally impact and maybe not totally eliminate, but almost eliminate uh, child sex trafficking, especially in our state. Absolutely. And that's, that's a hopeful goal. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work. It is. We'll be back on ABQ Connect right after these messages. On KLYT, this is ABQ Connect. Welcome back to ABQ Connect. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, Shelly Rep and Berg Allen are in studio with me with New Mexico Dream Center today. And um, we are doing this at the end of the year because obviously there's a push with every charitable organization to, to get some funding and different things. You've expanded your mission. You, you right. now have a, an actual shelter uh, for young people. I know you've had the harbor. Right. And uh, that's been a neat place for people to shower. Uh, They get connected with people that can help them. You have a special name for that person, case. A case manager. Right. Yeah. Yeah, They're part of the part of the services to help those young people get connected to other services. So if they don't have like their vital docs, they can help with that. Or if they need a referral to another agency. So, so Shelly, you don't just wait for people to come to the harbor, though. You have, no. I, and this is what makes me nervous. We talked about this before this, <laughs> this started. 
you have two young people, women. Right. Not sure I'd feel any better if they were men. Okay. Because I don't exactly see the streets of Albuquerque as being a safe place for anyone, Mm -hmm, especially in the area of the city, the International District, where you're primarily located. But you're going out and looking for people to help. Tell us that process and what goes into that. Sure. So we are big believers in street outreach. You know, um, I think about what Jesus did and how he recruited people and he walked up and said, come, follow me. And that's really part of that's the inspiration for what what we do. And so we have teams that go out on Central Avenue on Friday night and um, they carry with them water, hygiene and food. And um, and their job is to go out and interact with the population that's on the street. And so we know there's a lot of crazy things that can happen out there. So we're very careful about how we you know, train people to do this. And we have a really great model for what we do. But the goal is twofold. One is to continue to build relationship there. Like we want to be out there so that the population that's out on the street goes, oh, we know those guys. They're good. They're safe. We can trust them. We can ask them questions. So building that relationship. And then the second one is to be able to identify young people who are on the street that might need services or resources and to look at people that we would perceive as uh, being in a trafficking situation so that we can perhaps get information to them or, again, develop that relationship so they feel like there's a safe way to exit. And so that happens every Friday night, including this coming Friday night. Give me an example of age range. How young have you seen children on the street of Albuquerque? Oh, Jim, we've seen infants. So here's what we need to understand when we look at um, the homeless population is that, you know, there's different encampments and you will we recently had our outreach team walk up to a group uh, a encampment on Zuni um and there were several tents and they absolutely heard like an infant an infant um in one of the tents crying and so we can call and report it to CYFD but the likelihood of them being able to respond is not really big i think a couple things we need to understand about this is that we have a very significant Um, homeless population. And um, it is hard for families to feel like they can stay together. When you're looking at things like substance use disorder, that adds another layer to somebody perhaps not wanting to come into shelter. And um, we have heard stories of babies being birthed literally on the street that nobody knows that they're there. They don't necessarily have a birth certificate. Um, We have seen many, many young people living on there and young meaning like infant two, three years old living in tents on our street. Like this is a reality. And so in looking at addressing these kinds of things, we literally have to have a different lens for this. What we're doing is not working. And so if we want to address homelessness and all that goes into that, it really does take some different kinds of solutions. And I and I think that it's time for us to do that. These things are so related when you're looking at human trafficking, you're looking at vulnerability, and you're looking at exploitation. Um, you've got a huge, vulnerable, exploitive population on the streets as it is. And they're, they're, they're open for this. Um, traffickers are entrepreneurs. And so they're going to look for situations where they can easily take advantage of someone. 
And that can happen on our streets any day. Going to give you a prime example. Two years ago, I'm on the roof of the Sprouts on Corrales Road in 528. Yeah. And I was actually there doing some consulting with a security company. And this is at 6, 6.30 in the morning. And we were out there intentionally because we kind of wanted to see what was going on early in the morning. Van pulls up behind the Sprouts. Mm. About six people get out of the van. They then walk to the breezeway that's in the corner of the center there. And they walk out and they're pulling handles on all the cars. And there wasn't that many cars at six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. But then they begin to take their place on the corners uh, out there at the intersection of Coors Road and Alameda. Well, obviously, those people are working for somebody. They're not individuals out there panhandling. This is a business. Yep. That's a panhandling ring, and that's considered labor trafficking, depending on what that situation is. And so it is something that we have seen um, quite a bit in the Albuquerque metro area. And here's a big piece of that, too, which is why we always tell people, look for the young person that's out there, is that panhandling rings absolutely prey on our young people and have them do the check the car handles, have them do some of these like soft checks for, um, you know, accessibility into things. Because guess what? If they get picked up by the police, they're they're not going to be slapped with a crime like somebody who is older is. Um, And then they keep control of them. So one of the things that we see within human trafficking is this um, concept that we call forced criminality, which is you've got young people who are forced to do things so that they can survive and they they're the one that is going to catch that criminal charge. And that's kind of an example of what that can look like. It looks like um, trafficking drugs where they're moving drugs from one place to another. That's a huge piece of what they're doing. And so we can look and go, oh, those hoodlums, those bad kids. And that could be maybe some of them. But a lot of it is This is how I have to survive. This is how I'm going to get food in my belly or a place to sleep that's not cold. Mm, Absolutely. Birga, how could businesses be involved with the Dream Center? Will that be something you'll be helping with? Yeah, certainly. I think first off is just having this conversation around awareness is really key. And if a business wants to have some degree of training, we would be more than happy to facilitate that. Maybe they want to just have a general awareness for their staff. Perhaps they're in a part of town where they're seeing lots of transient population come in and out and they just need some information about what to be on the lookout for. We absolutely could provide training to businesses that want to do that. And of course, there's always opportunities to get involved through volunteerism, through donation. Uh, Perhaps you have a certain amount of hours that your staff can work at in a nonprofit and still be paid. I know a lot of organizations want to do that as a bonus to help their their employees get involved in the community. So if you've got four hours once a month that you want to come work, we can absolutely find opportunities for you to get involved. So yes, business owners are welcome to contact us, organizational owners. I would be very happy to facilitate those phone calls and to get people connected with either, you know, volunteer projects or information according to their need. So the website you want to go to to find out more is nmdreamcenter.org, but you can also email Birga directly at B-Alden, B-A-L-D-E-N, 
A-L-L-D-E-N at nmdreamcenter.org. That's right. And uh, that, that email is available to you and she can, can respond. And these two will follow up with you. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know that that's kind of a generic answer, but if you've got your heart is kind of stirred up as you're listening to this radio interview and you think, gosh, I want to do something, but I don't know how and I don't know what, just get in touch with us. We'd be happy to just walk through some of those conversations to see, you know, where can you engage? And like I said at the beginning, not everyone is in that position emotionally, spiritually, physically to get involved kind of on the street level, but there's lots of different things behind the scenes that you can do. Everything from packaging some of the hygiene kits that we distribute on the streets. Perhaps you make the best lasagna ever. You know, maybe you want to make a lasagna for the harbor, the, the kids in our, our youth drop-in center. You want to provide that once a month. There are just lots of possibilities. So I just don't want anyone to feel like they can't be part of it because they don't feel comfortable in one particular aspect. Shelly, you have, uh, I'm always concerned with Christian ministries. Right. In that um, the world doesn't understand why we talk about Jesus. Right. So if we are attacking a problem like you are, and we're talking about Jesus, sometimes they don't have the, the uh, confidence to think that we're competent Right. When right. it comes, and I want to assure our listeners, you guys are really confident when it comes, you're, you're both confident and competent when it comes to addressing human tra- trafficking and all these issues. Shelly, you are an avid reader. You have relationships with law enforcement. You have consulted with all of these people. How long have you been doing this? So um, I've been working in this space since 2011. So mm-hmm. it's been... Um, over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is that um, God has really brought some amazing kind of connections and opportunities to the New Mexico Dream Center. Uh, Berg and I were talking about this right before the radio show um, in the favor that we've had with law enforcement and with some of our other government agencies. Um, We've been able to work super closely with the Attorney General's office. And um, we were even working with APD earlier today in helping find a safe situation for a person. And they contacted us by choice. They don't have to contact us. There are many other organizations out there. And so the fact that they do, I think, is incredible because they do know that we're a faith-based organization. And I think what a beautiful way to show who Jesus is um, and how you can see the hands and feet of Jesus working in integrity, um, in ethical ways. And I think that's an amazing witness for Jesus. Well, and I want to jump in for a quick second, if I may. And, and I want to give you props, Shelley, because there is something so important about working with integrity and working with excellence. And This is a hot button topic for me, but unfortunately, I've seen a lot of Christian ministries not operate in excellence and kind of use the Jesus Band-Aid to say, well, he'll work it all out. But Shelly has led with excellence. She has made sure that this organization is well-informed, well-educated, trained in every possible way. And so she she is taking the charge to make sure this is an organization of excellence. And I think that is why law enforcement, attorney general, et cetera, feel so comfortable and confident working with the New Mexico Dream Center because they know that the work is going to get done and it's going to be done well. And you don't have a political agenda. I don't have a political agenda, but I, I you have, have a people agenda. I have a people agenda. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that um, in the state of New Mexico, I think that our people have a people agenda, that they care about people and it's, and they want to know what to do about that. And these are vulnerable people. And so 
I mean, I, I have two other things that I can say about that, Jim. Please do. Okay, so the first one is that um, we're going to be going into um, very soon into the 30-day session with the legislature. I mean, that's getting started at the beginning of January. And um, since it's a short session, that means it is, it's essentially budget. It's it's appropriations. And so generally, there's not oh, new I thought bills. Oh, I thought that meant you had to stay up 24 hours a day for 30 days. <laughs> Oh, Jim. Because they jam it all in. They jam it all in. Nope. Um, and so they don't. So generally new bills aren't introduced or very few bills are introduced. And for them to be introduced, they have to be what's on the governor's call. So basically the governor has to say, you need to listen to this legislation. You need to look at this legislation. And so we have been um, working with the attorney general's office, with um, the district attorney, with APD, um, and some other attorneys consulting for the human trafficking legislation that we have been trying to push for years. And so essentially we are working really hard at getting that on the governor's call for this legislative session. And um, so I would say for the listeners, man, pray about that. And when we get the bill number and we, you know, kind of put all of that in, let's put that out there and contact the governor's office and ask for her to uh, make a call for this piece of legislation. Because it doesn't necessarily have to happen. It's not something that we would say our governor has as a big agenda, but because it does have to do with children and it does have to do with the welfare of our state, we think that this is something that can happen. Well, and one commitment we need to make as a radio station is to have you on more frequently. In fact, the the, the session starts when? The mid, mid-January? mid Yeah. And so it, would there be a way for us to get you in maybe toward yeah. the end of the month, uh, maybe three, four weeks from now? Right. And that way you'll know maybe it's going to be addressed or whatever. Right, because we'll, I think we have to file everything by the 4th and then um, and then we'll know more then because okay. I mean, that'll give us a bill number and those kinds of things. And so, um, so, yeah, absolutely. Would love to come back and just talk about that and some of the pieces around that legislation. One of the things is we're crafting at this time that was awesome is the district attorney did put together the differences in um, – what penalties look like. So you get slapped with um, a penalty for selling cocaine, and that penalty is higher than the penalty for trafficking a person. And so they put, they've put together this chart to be able to show those penalties of these crimes that compared to the trafficking of people seem like very minor crimes. And I think having that laid out is like, that was brilliant. I wish I thought of Shelley, it. I am I wrong, but is trafficking a person slavery? Yeah. Slavery. Yeah. Slavery. I'm pretty sure we outlawed that. Like exactly. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like we do doctor that. everything up with the English yeah, language. Exactly. We try to soften everything. It's like marketing for bad guys. Right. Right. Hey, I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, and and sometimes they're better at it than the good guys, which is really surprising. Exactly. To me. What happens when, um, let's say, somebody wants to solicit a prostitute on Central? Mm-hmm. And they're arrested. Right. Does anything happen to them? No. So they're probably not going to be arrested, to be perfectly honest. Now, the the because our laws are kind of backwards in that it is likely that that prostitute um, could be arrested um, and not likely the one that is 
purchasing. And so part of- And by of, the way, that could be a person that's trafficked. Absolutely. That really, that maybe their family's threatened or they're threatened. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't know all of those things. And certainly the buyer doesn't know. Um, but what- what we need to look at is actually like a reversal of that model because what if law enforcement rolls up on that exact same situation and charges the purchaser with a crime and then offers resources to the actual victim and this this is called the nordic model and this is what they have done in sweden and they've done in some of these other uh, these nordic countries is actually flip-flopped um where the purchaser is in trouble instead of the one being purchased. And so they are they're decriminalizing the the crime of prostitution in the sense that we're not going to consider you a prostitute and that a crime, but they are criminalizing the act of purchasing a person. And so by flip-flopping that, they're actually addressing that big dirty word of demand mm -hmm. for purchasing sex. And so they flip-flop that and they've seen amazing things. And but not in New Mexico. They they're not no. doing that in New Mexico and you're suggesting that. Yeah. Who I don't know. I, it's probably an inappropriate question, but who would object to doing that in New Mexico? I don't know. I mean, who? are there people Why? are Why there would? Yeah, I mean, there's are there politicians that would say, oh, no, no, we can't do that. That'll violate someone's rights. Well, really, you have you know, you have to look at, you know, especially in the legislature. It is hard to get um, criminal changes to our bills like this is hard. And um, we you know, in looking at these kinds of things, that's part of what we've come up against quite a bit is um, how do we address this? And speaking of criminal stuff. Um, beep, 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 new news, things going on. Um, so a U.S. federal judge has um, recommended that the Jeffrey Epstein, so we know about him, he yes. was like a prolific trafficker and has Still ties. Still has a property for sale out in Stanley. Has, has a property for sale here in New Mexico that we've had, we've seen many a New Mexican um, involved in that. Well, so the there was there have been many court cases around this um but a us a federal judge has determined that they need to make that um list of people involved in it his little like black book so to speak um that they need to make that public that they need to open it up and they need to make that public and that's part of a lawsuit that was filed by one of the girls that was trafficked by him when she was 14 years old and so looking at that i mean that's a big thing for us to kind of keep in mind as well is that this is something that's happening nationally that has absolute roots here in the state of new mexico and so thinking about what that could look like and be i I think it would be a great idea because maybe that helps us understand that purchasers can't remain hidden when they're trying to purchase women and children and boys and men, that this is a crime against humanity. Yeah, I, I can't imagine any, I can't imagine a politician having some good reason to object to this. So what typically happens in the legislature, and you've kind of taught me this, is the bill will be introduced, it'll go to a committee and no one individual will reject the bill. It'll just get lost in the committee. So no, yep. in no, none of our political uh, people in service will have to take the blame. Right. And what we've seen is it generally flies through the House, and it gets caught in Senate Judiciary, 
and mm-hmm. and it dies there. And this is what we've seen with our human trafficking bills the last several years and the other child welfare reform bills that have been presented to try to bring um, accountability uh, to CYFD, to bring, um, especially looking at outside organizations being able to um, hold CYFD accountable for their actions instead of the system we have now, which CYFD holds itself accountable for its actions. So there's no outside set of eyes looking in on what's happening. We've had children's attorneys reaching out saying, we don't know what to do anymore. We can't, we can't get these kids into places. I mean, children's attorneys doing this because of how difficult the situation has gotten with CYFD. So I want to I want to ask the question, and we've only got about three minutes left. Gotcha. Um, it always goes really fast. I, we need two hours. Hundred percent. I'll I'm ask. For that. I'll, I'll ask the boss. Okay. He'll probably say no, but maybe we break it up over a series of shows. But I did I did say we will commit to getting you back on the air. We'll try to do that after the first or second week of the legislative session, so we can kind of get an update on what's going on. So the the first thing I want to ask is. Tell our listeners specifically how you need them to pray. They need to be pray pray about uh, the new Eliza Jane house. Yes, please pray about that. We need it to be safe. We need it to um, for God to continue to provide. He's done some amazing things to get us to where we are. And you know what? We we need um, that's employees. actually a shelter twenty four seven. Yeah. Yes, and okay. we so we need we need um, safe employees to be there as well because things can go mm-hmm. things can go sideways in a shelter yes. and so and we don't want that we want to protect every single woman every single child any family that comes in there we want it to absolutely be safe and so praying about god to just continue to be over the whole thing that it's safe but then also that um the people that are hired the employees that are working there are um absolutely above for that you know we don't make any mistakes in that kind of situation and that there's not some weird temptation. Or and if you're listening like now that. and you have an interest in serving in a capacity like this, you want people to call you, Berga? Yeah, absolutely. Um, best way is probably by email. So it's just my first initial, B Alden, A-L-D-E-N, at nmdreamcenter.org is my email address. So certainly welcome people to get in touch. And, you know, from a, a higher level, I would say you're asking about prayer requests, just that we end the demand. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the A number one in my book. You're right, Birga. She's see, do you see why I hired her? Hey, share it with us, Shelly, and I know you have a bunch. Um, there are really positive outcomes that you've seen. Yes. Tell we, us about tell us about Okay, so we have seen some amazing outcomes. And so one of the things that we had talked about uh, previously is we were talking about a, a legal case that we were involved in where um, the mom was working on trying to get custody of her child and all of these things. Well, there's it's a little bit of a mixed bag in that the case is still going. We're still hoping and believing and praying that that custody is going to happen. But this is the good news that came, is that now there is active investigation in three states around this whole situation. So it's not just something that was just in New Mexico but it is active investigation in um, two of our surrounding states looking at a pretty large trafficking ring. And so within that, we still, we want to pray for those, you know, those kids, but we also want to pray for that exposure and all of that. So even though it started something small, it's growing into something where we are going to be able to see impact at that larger level, which would be 
phenomenal. And then another one, just really, really quick. So sure. one of our one of our young people um, was just recently able to move out of one of our transitional living centers. She's got herself a job. She is going to work every day and um, is in the process of getting a car. So she's taking care of herself. So she's been able to get her own place. She's been able to um, find her own job and living independently. And that is the amazing story to go from somebody who was literally on the streets, was trafficked on the streets, into a program where she had help kind of alongside her. And now she's out and she is flourishing. And that is amazing. Just the fact that for her to be able to get a job and keep a job is huge because it's it's a challenging work environment. If this has touched your heart today, uh, give the New Mexico Dream Center a call at 505-900-3833. That's 900-3833, of course, area code 505. Uh, you can reach out to Berga if you'd like at balden, A-L-D-E-N, at nmdreamcenter.org. Or you can send a general email to info at nmdreamcenter.org. Shelly and Berga, thank you for joining us on ABQ Connect. And I know you're going to be a big part of making 2024 even a better year than 23. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Jim. ABQ Connect is a production of KLYT. The views expressed on ABQ Connect do not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of KLYT. 